this afternoon? We're doing well? Amen and amen. Uh, what I'd uh, like to do at, at this time real quick, because we didn't get a chance to, to do it uh, earlier, is to recognize our October birthdays. Our October birthdays. People who were born in the month of October. Amen. October birthdays. Okay, amen. What we're going to do, we're just going to sing uh, happy birthday to them, and then we'll get into our opening hymn. Amen. So let's sing to our October birthdays. Here we go. Happy birthday to for you to join us in singing hymn 361, hymn 361, When I See the Blood. When I See the Blood, hymn 361, When I See the Blood, and then we'll have an opening prayer. Hymn 361, When I See the Blood. Sing along. Our Christ, our Redeemer, died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his sins. Sprinkled his soul God, we do 
Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have again this afternoon to come into your house and to worship and to praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for his dying on the cross for us, Lord. We thank you for our salvation. We just continue, Lord, to thank you for loving us and for sending your son, Jesus, for us. We ask, Lord, that you would prepare us for your services this evening. Yes, we just ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us. We, we pray for our pastor and what he has for us, Lord. We pray that you would speak through him. We just ask that you would provide safety for us on, uh, this afternoon as well, Lord, on the way home. We love you and we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue, if you could turn to hymn 365, hymn 365. church you may be seated welcome to our two o'clock service we're awful glad that you're here if you're a first-time visitor here and you did not receive a visitor card 
If you slip your hand up, one of our ushers will come right now and give you a visitor card. We're going to ask you to fill that visitor card out. Then after the service in the foyer, I'll be out in the foyer behind the desk where it says welcome. And I want to exchange that visitor card for a gift bag. I want to give you a gift bag to thank you for coming and being a part of Central Park Baptist Church. And so if you didn't get one, please get one and, and fill that out for us so we have a record of your visit. And thank you for coming. Let me give you some announcements today. I hope that you picked up a bulletin out, uh, out there. I don't know if there's many or any left, but I want to encourage you to make sure you get a copy every week. Don't forget about soul winning this Saturday morning, 930 in the morning. Uh, and we go out and knock doors, tell people about Jesus Christ. Uh, and listen, there's nothing more important than going to heaven. Amen. There's nothing that can press you as much as going to heaven. Because all of a sudden, you just don't know when it's over. Suddenly, death comes. Now it's too late. I've heard people come to me and say, would you pray for my loved one? They, they died the other day. Uh, the answer is no. I'm not going to pray for them. You say, that's not very nice. I'll pray for the surviving family. It's too late for them. I can't do anything for them. They need to receive Christ as their Savior now. Or it is too late. You sound rough, Brother Marco. I'm not. I'm just being honest with you. Because praying for them is going to benefit nothing. Praying for the surviving family can do a lot. But we need to realize how important it is to get the gospel out. Soul winning, Saturday morning, uh, 9.30 in the morning. Uh, don't forget about our missions conference. Our mission conference starts this Wednesday, hey. 7 o'clock in the evening. I can't wait. It's so exciting to be able to know that we can give our funds to missionaries across the world to carry the gospel out where we can't go. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to Timbuktu. I might go to Timbuktu 3 or 4, but not 2. And so someone needs to go there. Someone needs to give them the gospel. And if there's somebody that God has called to go there, then I want to help them go. Amen. I want to help provide for them so that they have the funds to go so they can get the gospel out. There's so much about a missions uh, uh, conference that excites me. We get to meet many different missionaries. We get to find out about their fields. We get to find out what God has called them to do, how God has called them to do it. Amen. And I want to encourage you to be here. Don't miss it. That's on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Friday night, 7 o'clock, Saturday morning, 930 in the morning, soul winning. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's us going out to our mission field. Amen. Then uh, Saturday, uh, all day Sunday, uh, next week or Sunday morning, Sunday school, we'll all meet in here. Amen. Yeah. Sunday school will be in here for everyone next Sunday morning because we're going to have missionaries show us their work and speak to us in Sunday school. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you don't normally come to Sunday school, shame on you. <laughs> be here this Sunday, 930 in the morning. That be in Sunday school. Amen. Say, well, Brother Mark, well, that's not one of the services we should be here. Well, I guess you got to talk to God about that one. Uh, missions Week, we'll be eating too, amen. That's another part about Missions Conference I like, food, yeah. Yeah. amen. You know, I don't wear a belt anymore. I wear a, I wear a, fence, I wear, I wear a fence around the uh, chicken graveyard, amen. Uh, but I, where does he come up with this? I don't know. My wife's not here, and she can't stop me. Uh, <laughs> The mission meals will be signing up this week. If you haven't signed up already, please sign up for that. Uh, if you're going to be here and eat with us so we know how many to prepare for. If you want to eat with us, please sign up, uh, if you would, to bring something with you. I know what I'm bringing, me, because you don't want to eat anything I'm cooking. Amen. But I want to encourage you, those. I want to thank the ladies who have all already signed up and those who will yet sign up. I appreciate very much your desire to want to take care of us because us men don't cook good. Amen. We eat well. 
but we don't cook good. And so I want to encourage you to, to be a part of all of that. And come and fellowship with us, amen? It's just fun to fellowship with the missionaries, fellowship with each other, and uh, get to know each other and love each other even more, amen? Don't forget about uh, Faith Promise coming up. If you did not receive a Faith Promise card in Sunday school, uh, if you'd raise your hand, our ushers will get you one right now. If you did not receive a Faith Promise card in Sunday school or morning service, and you need one, just slip your hand up. Our ushers will get you one right now. Anybody? All right, good. Praise the Lord. Be praying about that because next Sunday we'll be giving those in. It's not a commitment card. It's not a card where you put your name on it and you say, I'm going to give this much money, and we expect you to do this. It's a relationship between you and God. You go to God and say, Lord, how much would you have me to give? Now, will you provide that for me? And sometimes it's scary. But it's always exciting to see what God does. Because God put all oh, put that much on my heart, and I don't know if I can do that. Then all week after week after week, month after month, he meets that. And suddenly your faith grows because you've exercised your faith in faith promise. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Don't forget about our, our, uh, our trip to uh, Branson coming up. Um, if you're going to be a part of Sight and Sound, the activity we're going to watch Esther in Branson, um, there's information uh, of the itinerary on the bulletin board in the, in, the, in, the, in the hall. And I want to encourage you to go look at that so you know what time we're leaving, what time we're <coughs> expected to arrive, what time we're, uh, we're going to eat. Because um, that's always the important part. Uh, what time we're going to eat and what time the, the show is and what time we're going to leave the next morning. You don't want to miss the bus. Because you miss that bus. It's a long walk. Amen. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Please see that. There's other announcements in our bulletin. If you didn't get one, I want to encourage you to get them. Get one. Thank you for being here. And Pastor, you come talk about money. Well, let's have a good offering. Amen. That was kind of weak. Let's have a good offering. Amen. Amen. Good. Well, I'm y'all. Y'all okay? Y'all awake? Sometimes I look out and I can tell you've had a big lunch. Because uh, it shows, amen, everybody's kind of, your eyes are drooping a little bit, your head's kind of leaning to one side, but uh, if you go to sleep, I'm going to come and preach right where you're sitting. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my dad used to, he would start walking the first three pews when he preached sometimes. He would, you know, he, you know the Bible says about the foolishness of preaching, and, yeah. you know, so uh, <clears throat> he took that literal, And uh, but anyway, uh, but so don't go to sleep, amen, we'll be through, we'll be through about four, I promise. Good, good, amen. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're, some of you are awake, all right? Well, let's have a good offering, and may the Lord bless you as you give. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for the day. Thank you, God, for your goodness, and I'm thankful, Lord, for our folks, their faithfulness, Lord. I pray, God, that you'd bless, bless this offering. Pray, Father, that you'd bless the gift and the giver. And, God, again, we pray for our missions uh, conference coming up beginning Wednesday. We pray, Father, that you would please help us, God, to be faithful. And, uh, Lord, to come and, and eat what you have for us uh, spiritually, God, through these men of God, these missionaries that are coming next week. And, Lord, we'll give you praise. Bless the offering, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come.
Amen, amen. Now, if you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing this next hymn, hymn 157, hymn 157. I'll fly away at the conclusion of this hymn. We would like you to briefly greet each other as we prepare for this afternoon's special. I'll fly away, hymn 157, hymn 157. I'll fly away. Shall I take from your hand a blessing, yet not welcome any pain? Shall I thank you for days of sunshine, yet grumble in days of rain? Shall I love you in times of plenty, then leave you in days of drought? Shall I trust when I reap a harvest, but when winter winds blow, then doubt? Oh, let your will be done in me, in your love I will abide. Oh, I long for nothing else. 
still reign in my deepest valley. You're still God in the darkest night. Oh, let your will be done in me. In your love I will abide. Oh, I long for nothing else as long as you are glorified. So quiet my restless heart. Quiet my restless heart. Quiet my restless heart in you.
people in every generation. They're, they get confident in their abilities. They, uh, they get confident in the power of man, and so they exalt man to a lofty, godlike position. In fact, some exalt uh, the spirit of man to be a god, and they have done that. They suggest that the combined spirit of all people is everything needed to develop a society, a nirvana, if you will, a society that will meet the needs of all the people. But I, I, I wrote these two questions, and I'll ask, and you think about it, what generation of people uh, will experience a society that meets the needs of people? What generation? What generation of people will know no brutality? What generation of people will know no lawlessness, immorality, what generation of people will experience the peace, security, and plenty of a heaven on earth? Well, the answer to that is none. Okay? Uh, there's others that suggest that each of us has a spirit uh, that will be reincarnated into some other form of life, you know, when they die. Uh, and depending on how good we are here in this life will depend on what we come back as. I mean, if you're not very good, maybe you'll be an insect, you know. Uh, they think that we'll live on and on from one generation to another, that we will develop and progress into a more and more perfect person. Uh, and the list of these type of humanistic philosophies, they are countless. But the point is, there is no person, no man, and no spirit like God. I mean, there's no God that can truly forgive sins. There's no God but God who can give perfect assurance of living forever in heaven. There's no God, listen, that can fully satisfy and fulfill the longings and needs of the human heart and mind. No one but Jehovah God could ever die for our sin. No one but Jehovah God could ever pay the perfect price that would cover the punishment for our sin. There's no one but God that could ever give us victory day by day over the trials and and temptations of this life. And so, uh, but the Egyptians, now think about it, they have rejected God. They have turned to evil. Uh, I mean, they have turned to their sinful ways, a sinful world. They've turned to idolatry. They've turned to brutalizing and enslaving people. This is the kind of people that the Egyptians have turned into. And you understand, now I want you to get this, that, that today and every day since the beginning of man in the garden, every person, every individual who has ever lived and continues to live has the opportunity to turn to God. Everyone. And you understand that no, that, that, uh, uh, no one has been left out. Nobody has been denied the opportunity to turn to an almighty God. Every people group who has ever lived has had the opportunity to follow God. But the Bible says, but, but the time came, right, that, that Jesus had to go over to the mountain of God and come and see them. That's what Scripture says. And the Bible says that at that point, they, they, they came to a place where they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That's in the Scripture. They did not like to retain God. They wanted to do. God says, if you want to do that, then here you go. But they had an opportunity to do the right thing. 
I've had people say, so preacher, why would God, a loving God, send people to hell? God does not. They've had an opportunity to choose God, and they choose not to. Just like Egypt has. The Egyptians rejected God. They refused to heed God's call to repentance and mercy. They refused to let God's people go. Even after the water was turned to blood, they still refused. And so now God's going to launch the second plague. He said, well, if that one didn't work, well, we'll step it up a notch. So look in verse 1 and 2. The mediation game. And, and, and notice this. It says that, uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses, go unto Pharaoh and say, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve. And thou shalt let them go. And it says, and I will smite. If you don't, I'll smite the borders. Now watch this. The Bible talks about, he said, let my people go. It's been seven days after the first plague, that God has given them an opportunity to get right. God has given them an opportunity to do the right thing. But it lets me know when it says, God says, let my people go, and they didn't, that as soon as they said that, here goes the next plague. God didn't waste any time. Listen, he's already given them an opportunity to do the right thing, and they have refused. But God gives Egypt an opportunity first to turn to him, to repent, and escape the next plague. God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that guess what? all should do what? Come unto repentance. But Pharaoh has rejected the reasonable request for Israel to worship. Listen, God says, come, let us reason together. God is not an unreasonable God. In fact, Pharaoh has rejected the snakes. He's rejected the rod signs. He's rejected the plague of uh, turning uh, the water into blood. And still, after Pharaoh rejects all these things, God still gives him an opportunity to escape further judgment. You know what that is? That's the grace of Almighty God, just like we talked about this morning. But Pharaoh says no. He rejects God's offer. Listen, you, you cannot continue to reject divine mercy without judgment coming. Impossible, and we see this here. Notice, notice what happens. Uh, God says he's going to send frogs, and, and he says, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Listen, if you look, read verses 2 through 4 again, uh, beginning in verse 3, it says, And the rivers uh, shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house into thy bedchamber, upon thy bed, in the house of thy servants, upon thy people, into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frog shall come up, come both on thee and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. Now, how would you like to go walk around, and everywhere you step, I don't like frogs. Now, I've eaten, I've eaten frog legs. They're not bad. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> it really does. But listen, but watch this. Uh, I mean, there are frogs everywhere. And the one cause for this judgment, and now watch, the one cause for this judgment is because God's unfair. True or false? Oh, yeah. That's absolutely wrong. 
I've had people say, well, God's so unfair. He's so judgmental. No, wait a minute. God is absolutely untrue. That is absolutely false. Same thing here. Listen, judgment came as a result of Pharaoh rejecting God and refusing to stop the oppression of God's people. They, Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to do that. He is not about to give up the wealth that Egypt is getting from cheap labor of the Jews. He's not going to do that. I mean, if they give up all these uh, uh, the slave labor that's coming from the Israelites, listen, the Egyptians themselves might have to get a job or something. God forbid that. Amen. So God sends the frogs. I mean, they got into everything. They're everywhere. In fact, this to me symbolizes sin. Listen, when a person sin, sin gets into the lives of man. The frogs were in the bed. Guess what? Sin stops rest. Amen. Uh, they were in the food. Think about it. Think about what man puts in his mouth that poisons a, an individual's life. They're every, it was in their food. Think about the noise they made. And if you go and study this out, that, that from what I've found, these were the kind of frogs they croaked all the time. Now, I have to admit, at night, if you're out in a camping or something, and there's a frog out in the distance, that's one thing. But I'm telling you, this is totally different. These frogs are everywhere. You, how would you ladies like to go and get ready to cook something for dinner, and you open the oven, and that thing is packed with stinking frogs, slimy frogs. Hey, man, think, I mean, these things are nasty. And they are everywhere. God could have plagued the Egyptians with, I don't know, I thought with lions, bears, wolves, but God chose frogs. Now think about this. I want you to understand, God is showing us that he can take the smallest of creation and use them against us. The Egyptians, they couldn't eat, they couldn't drink, they couldn't sleep in quiet, and God's curse on man will pursue him wherever he goes. I want you to understand that sin is, uh, these frogs are like sin in your life. Sin will pursue you. And when you get through with sin, sin is not always through with you. Sin is everywhere. Uh, and if God, I think, were to let frogs loose today to show us where we were sinning, I think the frogs would be everywhere around today, too. I think it'd be in the same places we read in Scripture. And I, in fact, There'd be, there would be frogs here in this building right here. If God were to let frogs show us where our sin was. Sin's everywhere. Notice uh, the aggravation here, the attitude of the Egyptians about the frogs. Uh, the frog was one of their gods, by the way. Uh, and as we said before, what becomes an idol to us will one day become a plague to us. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, I've, I didn't look it up a while ago, but it talks about how at the point that that uh, uh, that uh, sin, at some point, it'll be cast out, and, or I mean that the things of God will be cast out and trodden underfoot. Yeah. Well, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, here's this animal that the Egyptians, that they, uh, that, that, that was their God. But now, guess where it's at? It's trodden underfoot. No matter where they are, listen, the frogs are there. And, and, and the very thing that they worship, the very thing that they, that they made their God, they're walking on it. Uh, they may not like it, but there is nothing 
that they can do. Listen, and as a result of these frogs, this land uh, was corrupted by its idolatry. You, you understand why we're having such trouble today in our country and in our society? Because our country has been corrupt by idolatry by the sinfulness of people. Listen, and if we want to if we want to get it right, we got to get back to Chronicles where it says if my people who are called by my name. Listen, if we want to heal our land, we've got to get back to the dealing with the main reason. Amen. That that's Bible. I mean, it's right here. Listen, anything that gets between us and God will eventually curse us because God will not tolerate competition. Will not. He said, "I'm a jealous God." People put all kinds of things in front of them today. The reason why they can't come back to worship, and I might as well just say this too, the reason why they don't come back to worship on Sunday afternoon or make it on Wednesday, guess what, is because they've got something else in mind. They've got something else they want to do. It's become, a, it's become an idol to them, and one day that idol will become a curse right here. God will not tolerate competition. Notice in verse 6, the, the Bible says it covered the land of Egypt. The frogs made it impossible for the Egyptians to do anything. In fact, they couldn't even go to work. Now, for some, they might think, well, that wasn't too bad. Well, they, they couldn't go lay down. The frogs are in their bed. I mean, they're everywhere. I, the, the Bible says they came up out of the rivers. That, to me, when I look at this, they're not just sporadic and some over here and some over here. I'm telling, I believe they those things covered air. You couldn't, you you literally couldn't lift up your feet to walk, because if you lifted up your feet to take a step, if you put your foot down, there's going to be a frog under it. Nasty, stinking frogs, and this goo come up between your toes. Amen, you're getting a picture. Listen, this is what they dealt with. I mean, we might as well think about what, think about the nastiest thing you can think of that is going on at these frogs. They couldn't eat. They couldn't make anything to eat. Listen, I had I went to a friend's house one time, and we'd been playing basketball, and, and they had cats, and, I'm, you know, if you got a cat, more power to you. I'm not a cat person. And we went over, and we were, you know, we we had been playing basketball for a few hours, and we got over there, and there was a cat on the table. There was some lunch meat up there with some, you know, Miracle Whip or water. I still, we was in high school, and and uh, he said, "Hey, <clears throat> you want me to make you a sandwich? I'm hungry. I'm going to make me one." And the cat's on the table. The lunch meat is out. Now nah, I'll pass. I think my mom's got me something to eat when I get home. I don't want her to be mad at me. You follow me? Listen, I'm talking these frogs. If, if you went home and you wanted to make you something to eat and you opened the refrigerator, the frogs was in there. They were in your stuff. They were everywhere. You couldn't do anything without running into a frog. God wanted to make sure that these Egyptians knew that, that the very thing that they worshipped and the very thing that became important to them uh, became come to that place where they loathed it. They hated it. The Egyptian religion, watch this, and, and all, but they, they worship these frogs, but the Egyptian religion also forbid them to kill them. What a problem. I mean, these frogs uh, were uh, Egyptian theology, a frog. And, you know, I, I thought of that, and I thought, you know, folks, listen, some folks' theology one day is going to be a curse to them. 
the Egyptians, their theology, this frog, it, it became a curse. You know, we've got that protect certain animals. And I believe, you, I don't think you ought to be cruel to an animal. I don't like that. But some states, uh, you know, they, we have laws that protect other things. And, and, you know, some states will fly people across the country so that they can kill a baby. Yep. You know why? Because evil people make evil laws that curse the land. Same thing here. They're, these Egyptians, their theology became a curse. Look, look in verse 7. It says, uh, and we, we've talked about this. It says, and the magi- magicians did so with their enchantments. These guys just don't learn. You know, I mean, every time that God has turned the water into blood or whatever, they've just came around and they've multiplied the problem. You know why? Because sin begets sin. Listen, you can't, you can't get away from the judgment of God by doing something worse or by keep doing what you're doing. And these magicians, they, they just simply made more frogs. And as we saw, listen, they, they didn't try to remove them, and I'm thinking the same thing. Why didn't they try to get rid of them? Well, because you can't, once you are in the judgment of God, the judgment of God is going to continue until that person gets right with God. I can't pray if somebody's under the judgment of God. I can't pray for them and God. Listen, they're going to have to get right. I can pray, say, Lord, have mercy. But, but whether God stops is up to that person. It's between him and God. Same thing with Pharaoh. The judgment would have, if he would have had just stopped and been obedient, God would have stopped the frogs. Look in verse 8. Let me read verse 8. It says, uh, then Pharaoh called for, for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Now, the plague is finally getting to him. He's, think, he's starting to think, you know, this is not so good. I mean, uh, it's taken the first, uh, you know, two plagues, and you'd think he'd have got it when the water was turned to blood. But he didn't. But now he, all of a sudden he starts thinking a little bit. And he tells Moses and Aaron that he'll let the people uh, go worship. But Pharaoh is selfish. Now watch this. I've read this twice. I want to see if you caught it. I want you to see what he said. Look in verse 8. He said, entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs away. What's this say? From me. From me. Oh, yeah, and by the way, from the people too. You know, Lord, I mean, while you're at it, go ahead and get rid of, the, get rid of them for the people. It's, you know, he's, he's looking out for himself first. Then he procrastinates. Not only is he looking out for himself, but he's procrastinating. And, and he says, you know, remove them tomorrow. Listen, Pharaoh, he, he, he is offering a compromise. Now, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, uh, compromise never works. You understand, compromise only makes things worse. It weakens. And not only that, but, but compromise will bring corruption. We see it. He said tomorrow. And so he says, but now when he compromises, notice that after he compromises and says, okay, take the frogs away from me, then he begins to change the terms of the compromise that he's offered. Listen, that's the way sin does. Sin always changes the terms. Yeah, 
It says tomorrow, and it's crazy. I mean, you know, like uh, Johnny Flanagan sing, sings a song, One More Night with the Frogs. You know, I, listen, I, why would they want to do that? But how often have somebody said this, you know, I'll give this bad habit up tomorrow. Yeah. I'll start being faithful tomorrow. I'm going to start tithing tomorrow. I'm going to start being involved in faith promise missions tomorrow. I mean, I've heard, I'm, I'm going to get saved tomorrow. And why do they say that? Well, they say it so they can hang on to their bad habit just one more day. Yeah. Listen, sin never makes you smarter. It only makes you prolong the suffering. Amen. Now, now look what he says. In, uh, I believe it's verse 9. Let me find it. Oh, yeah, verse 9. It says, And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When, when shall I entreat? And now watch. Pharaoh wants, wants Moses to entreat. And then he says, uh, And I will let the people go. You see what's happening here is the condition was the frogs go first. And then Pharaoh said, then I'll let the people go. He should have let the people go first because that's what God said do. But this is the way a lot of folks operate. They say, God, you know, we get in a jam and we'll say, God, if, if you'll get me out of this jam first, then I'll do this. God, if you'll help me get out of debt first, then I'll do this. God, if you'll take care of this problem in my life, I'll repent. If you'll do this first, if you'll do this for me, God, God, you first. You, listen, you can't bargain with God. God is not subservient to our condition, period. He will not. He knows your heart. Look in verse 15. It says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. You know, when folks get into trouble, you know, they have a tendency to promise God all kinds of things. God, I promise, oh, God. Listen, I've been there, you know. I remember way back when I got in, in deep trouble about things, and I started bargaining with God. Oh, God, listen, God, if you'll just get me out of here. God, if you'll just do this for me. Listen, Lord, I'm not ever going to do that again. And then, you know what happens? Things get better. And guess what, guess what happens? We forget about what we told God. But, but we do like Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, listen, God, you first. No, listen, God does not operate that way. God knows our heart. And when folks get into trouble, again, they promise God all sorts of things. But once they get out of trouble, well, God gets pushed back down the list of priorities. And they go right back to their old ways. Look in verse 12. I thought this was interesting when you... When you begin to read there, notice what it says. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. Now watch this. Moses goes back, and he is in earnest prayer on the behalf of the Egyptians. I mean, he's praying for the undeserving. But if you th go and study, Moses will do this again. Moses prayed. Uh, uh, he prayed back in Exodus 32 and uh, at Mount Sinai regarding the Israelites. He's, he's praying on behalf of the undeserving. He cried out to God on behalf of Miriam in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 12. And listen, and, and so he's praying for those that don't deserve to be prayed for. Guess what? That's what we need to do. 
Well, we need to be praying for the people that are lost. If we want to get, see more people get saved, then we need to do more praying about lost people. God, please send lost people. That's why we're here. God, help us to reach out to some lost people when we knock on their doors. And, and instead of shutting the door in our face, that somebody, God, will open their door and say, man, we have been waiting on somebody to tell us about Jesus. Do we we got to pray for that in earnest. The Bible says Moses cried out to God on behalf of the Egyptians. Uh, and that's the way we ought to pray. We ought to be praying in earnest. But look in verse 14. Notice what it says. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. This is the third time in these first two plagues that we're told of how bad the smell was. I can only imagine what these, all these frogs must have smelled like. They piled them up. Uh, I don't know how you get rid of frogs when you put them in big piles. You burn them? Yeah, that'll get rid of the smell. Uh, I mean, do you bury them? I mean, the smell had to be horrendous because there were literally millions of them. You understand that sin brings an awful smell? Cigarettes? I can't stand it. I don't know. Alcohol? You ever smell somebody's breath and they talk to you, been drinking? You can, you can smell it. Um, I mean, bad breath is bad enough. But I don't want to smell somebody's got alcohol on their breath. And by the way, you can smell that stuff. You can't hide it. You know, and by the way, sin has a way of making itself known as well. Yeah. What about drugs? Listen, I'm telling you, sin smells sin brings a stink to your life that you um, that you just has a hard time getting rid of now watch this uh, did God take away the frogs yep he sure did um, but what stayed the stink see forgiveness is immediate but restoration takes a while yeah the frog plague stopped but the stink lasted. God forgives us of our sin immediately. Amen? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, confess our sin. He'll be faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. That, listen, that is immediate. Amen? That's immediate. But the stink it causes, well, might take a while to go away. Have you ever made a mistake and uh, God says, okay, I, I'll take care of it, but the stink lingers. I, me and my wife was talking about this the other day, uh, about we had a little Mercury Sable wagon that God had given us. That was a good, that was a good little car. Man, that thing would run. Uh, I, I did some mechanic. I put on a, a, a half shaft on it. You know, I'd never done that before in my life. And I went and got a book and learned how to work on it. And it was a good car. God gave us that car. And then I saw the the uh, the dreaded uh, red Ford Aerostar van. I went to three different banks to get it, uh, you know, so I could get it. Yeah, finance. That's what I'm looking for. First bank said no, they want too much. 
Second bank said about the same thing. And I knew it was God's will because the third bank I finally went to, he said, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. We're talking about how, uh, you know, God will, if you go outside of God's will, listen, he'll, you know, he'll forgive you about that stuff. But along about halfway through that thing, I tried to get rid of it. And I told God, I said, Lord, this thing is a pile of junk. If you'll just let, I'll trade it off, I'll do whatever. And you know what? I couldn't even trade it off. I was upside down in it. I couldn't, they, nobody wanted it. Yeah, I, we, would, we came back from Florida seeing her folks when they lived out there. And, and the, the, I mean, the wind out and up in the panhandle was blowing. And, and I, set the, I couldn't even literally set the cruise because the car wouldn't run that fast. It, the, the wind would keep it from, yeah, I had to keep the floor, the pedal all the way to the floor just to drive 50. And not only that, but I looked up in my rearview mirror at one point, and there was smoke coming out the back end so bad, I thought I'd blow the engine, and but the transmission, I think, was getting hot, and I turned the air off in the middle of summer, and the, and the smoke stopped. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And, you know, and I, I said to myself, Lord, uh, I told you I was sorry. I, Lord, I told you that I, I shouldn't have got rid of my my Mercury wagon. You know, I mean that was you, I should have kept it. I get that, and and God said, Yeah, I know, and I forgave you. But you can keep this just a little longer. You know, listen, it's the same with sin in our life. Sin is immediate. But the stink it causes in our lives, well, it may take a while for that to go away. Yeah. So when you ask for forgiveness, you remember, God cleanses us from all our sin. But it'll take a while for it to clean up. You know, you see, Pharaoh, God, God, I mean, God said he'd get rid of the frogs, and he did. But the stink stayed. And it was all because of Pharaoh's disobedience. He could have he could have kept all that from happening. What needless pain and suffering we go through, just like the song says, all because we're not obedient to God. God doesn't want to chastise us. He doesn't want to bring judgment in our life, but he will. Uh, and once we do that, sometimes the, the pain, it lingers. The suffering and the, uh, the burden, it lingers. But it's all as a result of what? We do the choices that we make in our life. So when when it's time, you know when we ought to give it up. I mean, we're we're grown, right? We we know what we know what the book says. Uh, there's I, I was thinking about this the other day. There's two words that when we're talking to God, there's two words that we ought to forget. I know. I know. You ever talk to somebody and and the, when you tell them something, the first two words out of their mouth is, I know. I know. That's what we tell God. God says, well, you need to do this and this and this. And we go, I know. I'll do it. Tomorrow. And then the stink is going to stay. Well, are you living in your tomorrow today? Are you, are you suffering uh, because you said, I'll take care of that tomorrow? Uh, listen, God help us. If we're going get, to get out of the judgment of God, then God said today is the day.
now's the accepted time. Same thing for our forgiveness, repentance, and all those things. Listen, we need to do it when? Today. Now is the accepted time. And if we're going to, if we are going to stay the course, if we're going to continue, then we're going to have to obtain the help of God. And, and we're going to have to get down on our face before God and ask God to help us. But it's all up to you. So you're going to make the decision just like Pharaoh did. He, he's the one that made the decision. Um, either you're going to spend one more night. Now, why would he do that? You know, he could have got rid of the frogs, swept them out or whatever. And maybe, you know, it would have still smelled a little, but he might have got to sleep in his bed. But he said, nah, one more. God help us not to do that. Father, I pray that you bless us. Um, Pharaoh, he's, I, I think he's typical, Lord, of, of people now, even our day. Uh, I think he, he's uh, typical of, of, of sometimes as Christians, Lord, we, we know what to do. And there's a verse that says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. God, I pray that we will we'll not wait till tomorrow. God, we, we know uh, what to do. We know what's right according to your word. And God, I pray that we'll do that. Lord, all we got to do is come. Help us, Father, not to live in disobedience. Help us, Father, not to live in out from under your protection. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, please. And I pray that Whatever the need might be this afternoon of our people, I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to respond according to the Spirit of God, and we'll come. You, you went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, here's another opportunity. God, we have another opportunity right now to do the right thing, and I pray, God, that you'd give us strength to do that, and I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and while we just sing a verse of invitation, the Lord speaking to your heart, you come right now, Lord.